The Right Gear, Episode 9, From Farscape to Fountain Pens, A Conversation with Richard Manning. Hello and welcome to The Right Gear on Hologram Radio, a new podcast for writers that's all about the digital and analog tools we use to write. From computers and apps to pens and journals, we explore them all. I'm your host, Kay Tempest Bradford, a science fiction and fantasy author, freelance technology journalist, media critic, and lover of gel pens. This week, we're finally going to dig into fountain pens, and I know some of you have been waiting for this. And I know some of you listeners are already fans of fountain pens, though I'm sure there are many writers who are interested but find them slightly daunting. Like, where do you start? Do you have to buy an expensive fountain pen to get a good one? Where do I go to find out about inks and nibs and stuff like that? To answer those and other newbie questions, I turn to a friend who is deep into the fountain pen love, screenwriter Richard Manning. Richard has a long history in science fiction and fantasy television. He was a writer and producer for Farscape, Star Trek The Next Generation, Tech War, and Fame, just to name a few. He's also written episodes of Sliders, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Exosquad, and other stuff. You should really check out his IMDb profile. He and his longtime writing partner, Hans Bimler, co-created Beyond Reality, a half-hour science fiction and fantasy drama that was on the USA Network. If period drama is more your speed, he just finished up a script for Hallmark's When Calls the Heart. He also frequently teaches television writing at UCLA Extension. So if you're an aspiring screenwriter, you should check out his classes. He has them listed at his website, frunium.com, and frunium is spelled F-R-O-O-N-I-U-M. But before you do that, listen to our geeky conversation about fountain pens. So I'm here talking to Richard Manning, who is, of course, like the man when it comes to television writing. Uh, but a couple of years ago, I accident or on accident found out that you're also a huge fountain pen nerd. Well, reasonably huge. But, and it came about just in a weird way. I was I was actually hanging out with Mary Robinette Kowal and she had lost all of her pens uh, on a bus coming to uh, the retreat that we were at. And I put a call out on the Internet and I was like, hey, people, let's help Mary get her pens back. And you were one of the people who donated money to help her get her pens because you said can't be without a fountain pen. Mm -hmm. So tell me if you're sort of a person who's like, I'm thinking about fountain pens, but I've heard that they're kind of scary. Where should you start out like with? You know, is there a specific kind of pen that you think is great, Um, a website people should go to? Just how do beginners get started? Well, there's a couple of things you can do. The first thing you can do is go to Staples. I think they are still selling their little packs of it's called the Pilot Varsity, which is which is a disposable fountain pen. And I think they've got like a five pack of of, uh, different colors that you can get right there. Staples, if not, I'm sure you can find them online easily enough. And they're like four bucks a piece, I believe. And, you know, just try them out because they're actually, you know, for a $4 little pen, they, they write not, not bad. So, you know, if you just want to see, well, would I even be interested in using a fountain pen? That might be a place to start. I would say uh, your 
first online stop should be, I think my favorite website for buying pens and things these days is something called gouletpens.com, G-O-U-L-E-T pens.com. It's a little family, uh, family-owned family outfit. They absolutely love fountain pens, and they are really also catered to the new fountain pen enthusiasts. It's like, welcome to the fold, and they've got videos and things about pen maintenance and how to get started, and they've got easy easy waste, and they'll, they'll help you. They'll, they'll take the fear out of it for you. One of the pens I recommend for someone just uh, interested, because I've got a ton of these pens myself, there's a company called Noodlers, Inc., which makes... Um, makes fountain pen ink of a zillion different colors and formulations and they're wonderful stuff. They uh, also make, they've also started in the last couple of years making pens and they've got uh, a pen you can buy on the uh, Goulet Pens website and other places also called the, um, the Nib Creeper, which is basically a $16 fountain pen. Uh, and it refills, refills with a piston so you can, you know, suck up ink, suck ink up into it and uh, whatever. And it's got, also it's got, a flex nib, which uh, for those of you that, again, for the, those just starting out, uh, you can get fountain pen nibs in various thicknesses, just like with any other pen. You can get extra fine all the way up to broad uh, to suit your writing style or you know, for different, different purposes. A flex nib actually will, as the term implies, flex when you put it to paper. Therefore, the harder you press, you'll get a thicker line. So it gives you a little variation in your handwriting, which looks um, kind of almost sort of semi-calligraphic. Uh, if your handwriting is awful like mine, it still doesn't look good, but it looks at least interesting and, and different. And you can get one of these pens for 16 bucks and uh, fill it up with different kinds of ink. And uh, you know, they're marvelous little pens. I, I, I've got about a dozen of them, I think, just in different colors and so forth. I also like it because it's kind of a smaller pen. And I think my, I don't know if my hands are smaller, if I just prefer a smaller pen in my hands. Again, it's, it's a very subjective thing. But Noodlers also makes larger models and so forth that, you know, if you like writing with a, a, a larger pen and you know those are nice and fun and they write really well and it's i think it's a great way to get started and you know if you break it or you lose it it's not it's not a big deal right another uh pen that i've used that's really inexpensive is the preppy platinum pen which i don't know if you've tried Mm -hmm. yes i have Mm -hmm. i one of the reasons why i really like it is because even if you have set it somewhere for a really long time and you come back to use it it doesn't take much to get it started again which i understand Mm -hmm. that with other pens sometimes it takes a bit if they've been sitting around for a while Yes, it does. But usually, I find if you just have a little cup of water handy and just dip the nib into the into the water, that'll that'll usually get it going. Yeah, and there are some pens that will will need that after a couple of days, and there are some pens that I you pick up six months later, and uh, they start running right away. But uh, but but yeah, that that is a plus if you're the kind of person that just wants. Oh, I need to jot something down in here. I don't want to mess around. The one thing I discovered when I was using the Preppy Pen, and I don't know if this is normal or if it's because I don't know what I'm doing, is that uh, once I have attached the the ink that comes with it, you know, it's not pre-attached because then it would just run out and everywhere. But once that ink is gone, I can't seem to get the the ink to the ink thing to come off so I can add a new ink to it, even though it's supposed to be refillable. Which made me think now I want a pen where I can refill it using the the piston thing, but I don't know exactly how that works. And I'm always like, like I said, I'm afraid of what will happen. I'll get ink everywhere, and then it will be a sad day for me. Well, ink on the fingers is just an occupational hazard. Damn. <laughs> There's really no way around it. A site like Goulet Pens, they've got videos on how to fill these things and so forth. So they will, again, they will take the fear out of the process. And uh, the advantage of having uh, a pen that you fill f- with ink from a bottle is, of course, now you've got the amazing variety of inks that are out there. Whereas, you know, the platinum, you've got, you've got the whatever eight different color cartridges that they make for it. And that's it. And I think 
half of the fun of working with a fountain pen is just being able to, to pick any any color you like. Oh, the other thing about Goulet pens is you know they sell all sorts of inks from all sorts of manufacturers. They also have a sample, sort of a, I would call it a sample club where you sign up for, and every, every month they will send you like four little sample vials of ink. Or if you want to try a certain ink, they will, you can just buy a, a little tiny sample vial of that. So you can actually try it out in your pan on the paper that you use and see what it looks like and see if you like it because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to buy something like ink online. The color is never quite what you see on the screen. And also ink takes on a different color depending on which what pen you're using to, to write with. It's the weirdest, weirdest thing. So, you know, I'll put the same ink in three different pens and I'll, it, it will write th- almost three different, three different colors. That sounds like it would lead to so much ink buying and trying and, <laughs> and down a rabbit hole you go. It certainly can. It certainly can. Um, but I found, yeah, there's some inks that I try and I don't like and I sort of put away or, or I give them away. And then there's others that, yeah, this one, this is my go-to ink. And I sort of landed about, I think there's about five or six essential inks that, you know, are, you know what, if, if you made me stop buying inks forever and just limited me to these six, I could think I could, I think I could, I think I could get along all right. Once you have started on your pen journey and you've and you've bought the inexpensive pen and you figured out that you you definitely like it and you want to start broadening and exploring more, what are the sort of next level pens that that people get into when they love fountain pens? Oh, I don't know that there's any really one course. I mean, there's so many varieties out there, uh, and people start from all from all sides of it. Personally, I started almost. I started from the top end, oddly enough, because uh, I'd used fountain pens in school way back when, and they were these little Schaefer cheapies cartridges fills, and they were all they were pain in the neck, and uh, you know it was never something I wanted to explore again, particularly. Uh, and then on Farscape, I noticed that Ben Browder was using a Mont Blanc fountain pen. Oh, for you Farscape geeks, if you look in the early scenes in uh, Terra Firma, the season four episode I wrote, where he's back on Earth, he's writing in a journal. And you can see that he's in some of the shots. You can see he's using that Mont, Mont Blanc pen. And I said, oh, that looks really, really nice. Do you like it? And he said, I love it. I tried it. You know, he let me try it. And I said, oh, this thing, this wasn't what I was used to from a school fountain pen. It wasn't scratchy. It wasn't leaking all over the place. It was smooth. It was gorgeous. It felt great in the hand. And I said, you know what? I think when the show's over, I'm going to splurge and get myself one of these. So, you know, my first... My first good pen actually was a was a Mont Blanc, and for me they're kind of like you know Mercedes or BMW. They're way overpriced, but boy they boy they work well. <laughs> and so that's one pen. If the house were on fire, that's probably the first pad, pen I'd grab before I ran outside. Oh man, well I bet it was, yeah. it was that expensive. Yeah. yeah. But you know, if you want to sort of the sort of the middle realm of fountain pens, you can get really nice pens for eighty, a hundred dollars, somewhere in that range. Again, it's totally totally subjective. One of the pens I bought early on was a it was a Pelican. Uh, it was a German German pen, piston fill. I I bought it because it was a clear it was a clear pen. It was a completely clear body, so you could actually see the piston mechanism work. And when you filled it up with ink, if you had red ink in it, you'd see that you know I I got this thing's full of red ink, which was kind of cool. Here here's my pen filled with blood. Um, Ooh, blood. <laughs> and it and it wrote really nicely. And so you know that's that's one of my go to pens. As well, then the next rabbit hole you can fall down is the vintage pen, and oh boy, that's a whole that's a whole subject in and of itself. Uh, but you can go on eBay, you can go to various sites, you can even go to pen shows. I'm actually going to go to the, the there's an annual pen show in Los Angeles that's um, happening next Sunday, so I'm probably going to go spend a little money there. 
And there's a huge trade in, trade in vintage pens. Uh, so you can pick out something from the 40s or whatever that's been refurbished, runs great, works like a dream. And um, you can use using some pen that's, uh, you know, that's older than you are. It's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Well, do you feel like vintage pens are better than the fountain pens they make today? Or is it sort of a... Like they make some great fountain pens because advances in technology, but there are also vintage pens that are great too. Yeah, I, I don't think you can really. I mean, yeah, there's the, again, there's so much variety uh, in pens and you know vintage and modern. I don't think you can say as a class that one kind is better than the other. There's also if you start looking on eBay or in thrift stores or you know or, uh, flea markets and things like that. Sometimes you'll find old fountain pens, and there were a lot of old. You know, there were a lot of second tier and third tier and fourth tier knockoffs made back in the day uh so you'll find oh this looks really good and then you know the nib is bent or whatever and it you know, turns out some some really bad bad knockoff it looked like a an expensive pen but it actually wasn't so you know it is a bit it is a bit bar beware in in those cases one resource uh and i don't have the actual website name at, at hand but it's the fountain pen network is basically a bulletin board uh where they have discussion groups about all kinds of vintage pens. And again, that's also a terrific place that a novice can just walk in and say, hey, I got a, I got a such and such. Can you tell me what it is? What do I do with it? How, do, how does it work? Is it valuable? Is it, is it, you know, is it repairable? What's, what's with this thing? It's a, whole found, it's a whole website full of found pen nerds. And that's beautiful. Yes, it is. What are the aspects of your perfect fountain pen? Like what body do you prefer? What nib do you prefer? The inks you prefer? Just run it all down for me. Well, I t- again, I tend to sort of prefer a smaller pen in my hand. This again, this is a, such, such a subjective thing. Uh, some people like writing with these giant pens that, you know, to me it's like writing with trying to write with a, a baseball bat in your hand <laughs> or, or writing with a cigar. It's like that's that's eh, a little large. So personally, I like a I tend to like a smaller, thinner pen. I tend to go for the thinner, thinner nibs, the extra fines or the, the fines or the extra fines, because one thing I really like to do with a fountain pen. Oh, that's kind of a good digression. Why, why use a fountain pen in the first place? Ricky, don't you know how to use a computer? Yes, I love computers. <laughs> I've loved computers since my first K-Pro. I, couldn't, I wouldn't do this without computers. Nevertheless, there's times when you sort of just want to sit out in the lawn, you know, on, outside in a chair with a pad in your hand and a pen in your hand and just you know, noodle with it. Do something different. Change up the process. I'm a believer that the writing process is it's good to change it up now and then. And it's like, okay, no more internets, no more Twitters, no more nothing. Just, just sit out with a pen and, you know, I think even just jotting down notes with a pen for me is it sort of exercises a different mental muscle maybe or, you know, there's a different part of the creative brain that, that goes to work then. I also really, really like, as much as I love writing on computer, I hate proofreading on computer. I'm, I'm, I'm a paper waster at that stage. It's like, okay, I've got something I want to I I proofread. I almost always actually have to print it out and I sit down with a pen and go over it and, and mark it up. Uh, to me, that's much, much more pleasant experience than, than trying to correct something on screen. I think just having it in a printout, your eye finds typos and mistakes that that somehow you don't notice when they're on a screen. So for that, I will like a pen with a nice bright red ink that uh, is good for marking up pages. And actually, my favorite ink for that, I found, is there's Noodler makes an ink called Dragon Napalm. I mean, you have to love just for the name. Dragon Napalm. Dragon a, Napalm. Wow. Dragon Napalm. It's like if, if anybody knows what Mercurochrome is, you know, that orange stuff that they used to put on wounds, uh, it's kind of that color. It's this really shocking bright orange. 
And for me, it's even better than a bright red when it comes to marking up, you know, trying to do making proofreading notes on a on a page or correcting or things like that. Uh, a pen with an extra fine nib full of the dragon napalm. That's my sort of my go to grading assignments pen, marking up scripts pen um, and general proofreading pen. Do you ever uh, like do first drafts of things longhand with your awesome fountain pen? I have, yeah, I have. I'm not, not not usually an entire first draft, but there'll be times. Yeah, I just want to sit with a pen and just you know, I'll write a scene or something like that. As again, as a change up, just you know, eh, the scene. I need to think about this. Maybe we should take a walk. Maybe we should go down to the park and sit down there and uh, so forth. And you know, rather than dragging the laptop and so forth, again, just just for the change up. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll write with a write with a fountain pen. So you said which pens you would save if there was a fire, but which pen that you own would you call your favorite one? I really like the ones I've mentioned already. Uh, one I'm using currently, which is that's my most recent pen purchase, was from Goulet Pens. It's got a weird name. It's called the TWBSI is the make of the pen, and it's called an Echo ECO, and it's a little larger than the pens I usually prefer, but it's a beautiful pen. It's was that's like thirty dollars, very inexpensive. I got one of those with a very extra fine nib. Uh, it's a piston filter that holds a huge amount, pretty huge amount of ink, and you can you can see it. And that really has become my go-to. Uh, okay, I'm I'm going to grade assignments, or I'm going to uh, mark up a script. That's that's the pen that I'm always grabbing. I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'd call it my favorite. All my children are my favorites, but certainly it's it's the one I I, I wind up seem to be grabbing for most often. I will if I'm going out on the road. I'll usually take that one along. I will usually take along the Mont Blanc filled with a um, one of the colors I love from uh, Noodlers is called Noodlers Navy, which is kind of a dark teal, very dark. Um, I thought it was going to be like a navy blue, a very dark blue. And when I bought it, discovered it was, it had a fair bit of green in it, which at first I didn't like. But now yeah, I've sort of grown accustomed to it. It's kind of a unique color. So those two will go with me. I'll usually take the Pelican. There's another Noodler's Inc. called Black Swan in Australian Roses. <laughs> of of, all, wow. things, of these, all things to call the ink. These and ink names. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, Nathan Tardiff, the, the creator of all these links, just loves to come up with, with, uh, with you know, I mean, he's got, there is a Noodler's Blue and a Black and a Red and so forth. But he's, he loves to get fancy with his names. And he's got so many colors. And so the names are all over the place. And it's kind of a dark magenta. I, I, I really like reds. And I kind of like the darker reds, maroon. I've got like th- three different colors of dark red. from uh, And the, the black swan on Australian roses is uh, kind of the latest one that I've acquired. And really like using that. It's also nice to be able to write for a while with a blue and dark blue. And then, you know, well, I'll, okay, the next scene or if I'm going to continue i'll change colors just again just for variety on the page and give the eye a little bit something interesting to look at that makes sense so you talked about traveling how do you travel with a fountain pen without the fountain pen exploding its ink all over everything everywhere uh very carefully um the trick is to keep it either very full or very empty if you're going on something like an airplane and it's half full, well, then that air inside the in the pen will expand and maybe force ink out of the cap, which is something you don't want. But if you've filled the pen completely, there's not much air in there to uh, to do any damage like that. And if the pen's pretty empty, then you know, there's, nothing, <laughs> there's nothing to come out of it. When I fly, I don't have a fountain pen in my pocket. I, I seal them up in a baggie and I've got them in my carry-on. So even if there is some leakage, you know, it's it's containable. Other than that, the tra- I haven't had much trouble in traveling. I mean, sooner or later, there's you know there's going to be you're going to open the pen up and there's going to be some 
a little bit of ink has come out into the cap or whatever. Again, that's just you know, that's just one of the hazards. You got to deal with it. You have to have a good cap that'll keep that ink in, I guess, if uh, it does leak out a little bit. Yeah, and generally, if you're if you're worried about it all, you know, put it in a baggie. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense. Thank you so much for sort of explaining the whole fountain pen thing to me because I've always been a novice, like slightly looking askance at the fountain pen being like, that looks really pretty, but I've mm-hmm. heard there are problems. So hearing you talk about it made me feel a lot better. Yeah, it's again, there's you know, I won't get anybody. There's it's more effort than using a rollerball or, or, or a ballpoint. But uh, I just I find the feel of it on a page. I mean, you don't. I don't think you realize when you're using a ballpoint or rollerball how how hard you really. You know, you're actually pressing down fairly hard. And until you've used a fountain pen where you don't have to press at all, where you just touch the pen of the paper and you're, it's like it's you're you're ice skating practically. You know what a difference that makes. So I think if you're doing a fair amount of writing, it's probably easier on the hand that way because you're not having to push the point in to make the ink flow. It's it's flowing all on its own. And also I get the other part for me is again that the variety of inks. You know, uh, there are so many makers in so many different colors. I tend to like big, bright, nasty, saturated, very saturated inks, and that's why I like the Noodler's inks because most of them are very, very saturated inks. To me, there are other inks that are nice and beautiful and pastel, but it's like to me, it's like writing with that you've dipped your pen in like iced tea. <laughs> it's like there there actually isn't much ink going onto the page. But that's completely up to you. You know, people people like those inks as well. So it, it can be daunting because there is such a wide variety. But again, that, that's part of the appeal. If you have a pen shop that you can go to that will let you try things out, that's that's wonderful. There else there are still some in existence out there. They're getting scarce, like bookstores, but you can still find them. All right. Well, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you. If you're interested in any of the pens Richard talked about, check out the show notes in your podcatcher or over at the episode post on hologramradio.org slash the right gear. You can also leave feedback for the episode there or share your favorite fountain pens, favorite inks and favorite pen nerd hangouts. You can also tweet your favorites to the show account at RightGearCast or to Richard's Twitter, which is at Frunium. And again, that's spelled F-R-O-O-N-I-U-M. Or you can just use the hashtag FountainPenLove. At the Right Gear website, you can also find links to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or through the podcatcher of your choice via the RSS feed. And if you subscribe via iTunes and you like what you've heard on the podcast so far, would you consider leaving a rating? Because ratings really help more people discover the podcast. Okay, one more plug. Promise, just one more. (laughs) This week, I launched my Patreon page. I'm looking for support in creating awesome content such as this podcast or the other podcast I'm part of, which is the Gemcast, and it's truly outrageous, and for my two video series and the essays and columns I write. So folks who support me on Patreon get access to cool extra stuff, such as snippets of this interview with Richard that I had to cut for time, but are nonetheless still pretty interesting. You can check it out at patreon.com slash Bradford. On the next episode of The Right Gear, I'll reveal to you my pick for the best laptop for writers, and I'll talk about how to shop for a good writing laptop, no matter what your budget. Until then... I'm K Tempest Bradford, and I challenge you to find the most outrageously named Noodler's Inc. and then try it. The Right Gear Podcast on Hologram Radio is written and edited by yours truly and produced by Head Hologram Alex Knight. 
Our logo was created by Ashley Emma Onstott and made colorful by hologram Michael Norton. Our theme music, Kill Your Darlings, was composed by Steve Combs.